Man, uh, this week sent us his stimulus check, uh, part of our online audience. And uh, he said, you know, I just feel blessed with this. We don't need it. And I'm sure you know of someone who does. So they sent their entire stimulus check to our benevolence fund. Isn't that wonderful? I am just always so grateful for the generosity of our congregation. Thank you so much. Well, this morning we are going to continue our Love Does series. Um, I want you to turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12. One verse this morning, just one verse. You know, we can do love in a lot of different ways. And don't forget, we are collecting chili and other non-perishables, but particularly chili for the Servanache Food Bank. So be sure to bring in some chili. That's one way that love shows itself. But today I want to talk about love with our words. Loving with our words. Because words are a tool that we all have. Whether you're five years old or 95 years old, whether you're educated or didn't have that opportunity, no matter what neighborhood you live in, no matter what your social status is, if you're able to communicate in any language, you have a tool that God has given you that you can express his love and our love toward others. Here's the one verse I want to key in on today. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The word of the reckless pierce like swords. We've all been there, haven't we? We've been on the receiving end. When someone just recklessly said something that pierced our heart, that hurt us, that caused us tears, that caused us to toss and turn at night. Unfortunately, we've all been on the other end as well that we have blurted out something without thinking and our words were a piercing sword to them and we hurt them and we've tried to apologize, we've tried to make amends, but once those words are gone, there's no way of retrieving them. The word of the reckless pierce like swords. Here's the second half of the verse that I want to key in on today, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Oh, I want my tongue to bring healing to people. Healing in their relationship with God. Healing in their relationship with others. Healing in their relationship in community. Loving with our words. And there's a lot about that in the book of Proverbs. We know the Proverbs was written primarily by King Solomon, who the Bible declares one of the wisest persons that ever lived. And the bulk of his writings have to do with our words. Our words can pierce like a sword when we gossip. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, you, you know who I saw? And what the, you know who they were with? When we lie, saying, oh, it's just not really a lie. It's just... Uh, kind of a white lie, like, you know, fake news. <laughs> when we deceive others, when we allow someone to think something that is not true, when we speak in anger, 
Man, we sometimes have short fuses and we just, we speak in anger. We speak selfishly. We speak, speak pridefully. And man, the Lord pointed out to me in a, in a crazy way this week just how self-centered I am. I, it was just the craziest thing. I won't share all the details with you. But I thought, man, why did I think that person was talking about me? I, I took offense at something that had absolutely nothing to do with me. I found out later. But as soon as it was said, I internalized it. I was so prideful, I thought, oh, that person must be talking about me. I'm going to be hurt over that. That's our selfish human nature. We complain. We use foul language. We use abusive words. The word of the reckless pierce like swords. But friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to remember we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And what comes out of our mouth needs to reflect our faith. Yet unfortunately, it's not always true because our mouth tends to run off and get us in trouble. James talks about that. Man, you can, <laughs> you can uh, rule almost anything except your tongue. Tongue is dangerous. But you know, it's not really a tongue problem. We tend to think we have a problem with our mouth. But Jesus puts that in perspective in Matthew chapter 12. He says, no, it's not a problem with your mouth. It's a problem with your heart. Because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Reflect on that for a moment. If you gossip, if you tear down, if you complain... We've read about complaining as we've gone through our Bible reading plan this week. Man, those Israelites, they complained when they were in Egypt. They complained when they were out of Egypt. They complained against God. They complained against Moses. They just, it wasn't really, though, a problem with their words. It was a problem with their heart. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand if our words are not edifying and building up and encouraging and truthful and full of grace, it's a heart problem. We just have to face it. If you are having problems controlling your mouth, you've got a heart problem. Something's wrong with your heart. And the verse goes on to say, again, that love can bring healing if your words are based out of the wisdom of God. So today we're going to talk about how to master our mouth so we can use it the way God intended it to be used, to bring healing, to help, to build one another up, to prefer one another. Solomon gave some really practical advice, and I'm going to share five things this morning, and then we're going to respond at the end of this message. I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually put this message into practice before you even leave the building. Wisdom for mastering our mouth. <laughs> Number one, hold your tongue. Just hold your tongue. How many times have you opened your mouth and put your foot in? Like the guy who saw his wife and she didn't have any makeup on and she had these huge curlers and he said, man, woman, what happened to your hair? 
And she said, well, I just said it. And his response was, well, when is it going to go off? And we can laugh at that, and it's funny, but it probably wasn't the best response. Now, Proverbs 21, 23, a lot of scriptures out of Proverbs today. Proverbs 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from casualty. Let's look at Proverbs 10, 19. We'll show it to you on the screen. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. We're going to honor Brock Reagan tonight at our annual meeting. Seven years he's been on our deacon board. This past week is each deacon took time to affirm those who were leaving service. Time and time we heard, you know, Brock, you never say too much. But when you say something, it carries a lot of weight and a lot of meaning and a lot of wisdom. And you know people like that. Their words are very few, but they're very wise. And if we seek to be wise, we've got to learn to hold our tongue more often or bite your tongue. James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You've heard it since you were a little kid. God gave you two ears and one mouth, and there's a reason for that. Quick to listen, slow to speak. In other words, you just don't blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind because it's probably not going to be a word of healing. It could be sarcastic. I, I like to joke. I like to tease. I, I like puns. I like sarcastic things. But, friends, sometimes that's a fine line. That can be very cutting. Those things can be spoken with a wrong heart attitude. And I found the quicker that I respond to someone, the greater the danger is that I'm using reckless words. I might hurt the person. Hold your tongue. Number two, think before you speak. And this is really simple stuff, isn't it? But not so simple to apply in daily life sometimes. Proverbs 15, 28, 15, 28. Let's look at it. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Again, it's not really a tongue problem as much as it is a heart problem. Rarely when you just, you know, act out and, and quickly speak something, <clears throat> very seldom do you really put any thought behind that. If we just think about what we say before we say it. Solomon tells us multiple times in his writings that wise people consistently think about what they're going to say before they say it. They measure their words carefully because you know from experience once you say those words, there's no way of getting them back. So if you hold your tongue and think for a second and ask yourself, is what I'm about to say given in love? What I'm about to say in consideration for the other person? If it's something truthful that's corrective, is it done in the right attitude? Am I saying it in love or it's going to hurt them? How can I say this in a better way? 
And if you can't say something that's going to be helpful or good, as our mothers told us, boy, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. There's a book written by Les Parrott called Three Seconds. Fabulous book. The three seconds that we have to process things and how we all need to take those three seconds before we react. Bite your tongue, keep your mouth shut until you think of something better to say. Reflecting again upon God's given commandment that we should be bringing healing and love. Another proverb, Proverb 18, 13. He who answers before listening, that's his folly and his shame. I don't know how many times I've answered my wife halfway through her question to find out that what I answered wasn't really the question she was going to, you know. I thought I knew what she was going to ask, but it really wasn't. I didn't listen for the whole question. I just blurted it out. Any other husbands guilty? I know the wives won't admit it, but many times we're more interested really in what we have to say than what the other person has to say. That happens so often. You know, someone's talking, but you're really not listening. You are composing in your mind what you want them to hear. Your argument, your defense, your agenda. That's why Jesus built relationships even before he shared the gospel. Man, sometimes even us Christians have these secret agendas. Instead of listening to where the person is and then asking the Holy Spirit to help us to walk with that person and help guide them toward Christ. And there's many times we've called someone and knew exactly what we're going to say, even before the discussion. (laughs) We know what topics we want to talk about, and they're usually the topics that are important to us. You know, it doesn't really matter what someone else wants to say. Again, it's that selfish tendency we have. And if you tend to dominate conversations, spending more time talking than listening... Have you ever asked yourself why you do that? I mean, seriously? (laughs) Whatever our reason is, when you and I dominate conversations, according to the word of God, we're really subconsciously communicating to the other person, I care more about myself than I do you. I care more about my opinion than I do your opinion. I'm pretending to listen. But I really don't care. What I really care about is that you hear what I want to say. How opposite of what Philippians tells us in this life as followers of Christ. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Even in casual conversations with your neighbor. Even in theological conversations with someone that's on the opposite side of the issue. Consider others better than yourself. I know that's not a popular message in this day and age. Where we want to defend our rights. This is our right. Yet the scripture says, lay down your rights. Take up the cross of Jesus. 
follow him in humility. Consider other people's rights more important than your rights. Well, the scripture goes on to say in Philippians 2, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. So if you're truly looking out for the interest of others, I think it's going to mean that we're going to listen more than we talk. Again, God's given us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Years ago, some of you old-timers might remember the book by Dale Carnegie uh, about how to win friends and influence people. He gave several rules uh, that were actually biblical principles. Dale Carnegie was a very committed Christian, yet when he wrote to the business and the secular audience, he used biblical principles without really identifying them as such. But here are some of the things out of that book. Become genuinely interested in other people. How to win friends and influence people. Become genuinely interested in other people. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Let the other man do a great deal of talking. Talk in terms of the other man's interest. Man, imagine this. This classic book written by a Christian but it was marketed in the secular means, and it was a very successful book in the business uh, world during that era, right out of God's word. Because mastering our mouth affects not only our relationship with our family and friends, it affects our work relationship. It really does. Number four, wise words are encouraging. Wise words are encouraging. Proverbs 12, 25, an encouraging word cheers a person up. I have, a, I have a file in my office full of notes of encouragement for the last 35 years. And sometimes when I need encouraged, I just go to that file and I pull out notes and I read them. Because an encouraging word will cheer a person up. And I try to think about that when I am speaking to others. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul similarly wrote, and this is found in Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 29. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Notice Paul's writing there, let everything we say be good and helpful so that it encourages other people. Other translations of the Bible say, as to build other people up or to edify other people. Not just some of the time, not just some of my words, not just when I'm having a good day. We need to pray every day that we will love through our words Love does. That's not just about bringing food to the food bank. That's just not about snowing or uh, shoveling snow for your neighbor. I was talking to one of our teenagers from our youth group last week. I said, well, did you shovel any snow this morning before you came? He goes, yeah, just uh, our driveway and another neighbor. He said, yesterday I did seven neighbors. I said, 
you shoveled seven neighbors' drives away? He goes, yeah, he said, I just wanted to help them. I thought, man, that young kid has got this idea of what it means. Love does. Love does. But it's not just action. It's our words. Not some of the time, not just when we feel like we want to encourage people. Simple things, just saying, it's good to see you. You know, I really appreciate it when you, whatever, fill in the blank. Way to go. Good job. Those little words. Boy, I love it when I'm, and I've told you this often, when I'm, at Walmart, and there's a long line, and everyone's complaining, and the cashier is just frazzled. I just love to come up there and say, you know, you are doing such a great job. I know it's a lot of busy, and it's busy, a lot of demands, but I just want you to know, I think you're doing a great job. Man, you should see people's countenance change. Thank you for opening the door. Thank you for helping me. I am a very non-mechanical person, and uh, the last couple days I've been changing out electrical outlets. Now, I know that's kind of a dangerous thing, um, but I was, uh, I was at Home Depot or Lowe's, I forget, one of the, the stores, and I was looking for, and, and I noticed, I knew I needed 15 amp, but then there was a 20 amp, and I wasn't sure of the difference, and I was looking for a certain kind of switch, and anyway, this lady, this lady was, and I was talking to Linda, I said, man, I'm not sure what to do here, you know, and I didn't want to do the wrong thing, um, and this lady came over, she goes, I, could I just share some of my knowledge, and she began to, to help me to understand the differences between all these switches, and I was so appreciative, I said, man, thank you so much, thank you. she didn't have to do that. I don't know if she was a Christian, but I know that her words were helpful to me. They were loving. You know, I, I even think when we sincerely say, I'm going to be praying for you, that can be an encouraging thing. But don't say that as a greeting, okay? Don't just say, okay, I'll be praying about it, and then forget about it. <laughs> if you say that, really pray, even if it's right then and there. We need to encourage one. Another way we need to encourage one another is as Jesus did. Man, his disciples lived under the oppression of Rome. They were persecuted. They, I mean, there was all sorts of stuff going on. And you know what Jesus encouraged them to do? He encouraged them to look beyond their present circumstance and look at the coming of God's kingdom. That's what the gospel is about, the good news. We can encourage one another by reminding each other the good news about Christ and point their attention to the fact that Jesus is coming again, that our citizenship is in heaven. Man, we can be encouraged that we've been set free from sin and bondage. That's why I love that song that Pastor Darth led us in, who we are in the Lord. Now, what would our homes look like? What would our church look like if we always spoke words of encouragement? Telling people, yeah, it might be rough right now, but look up for your redemption, drop nigh. Jesus is always pointing people past the worldly kingdom to the spiritual heavenly kingdom, and we need to do the same.
Number five, wise words are gentle and kind. Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. Look at Proverbs chapter 16 with me, verses 23 and 24. Proverbs 16, 23 and 24. From a wise man comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I like that analogy with honey. Someone once said, you get more bees with honey than with vinegar. And that's true. If you want to be persuasive, don't be abrasive. Kind words spoken with a genuine heart are sweet to the soul. They're healthy for the body. Likewise, gentle words and pleasant words calm you down. They disarm us. A gentle word will diffuse a potentially explosive situation. I've seen that. I've been in situations that have been so volatile. And someone will very gently say something. They'll just, ah. It's so refreshing. It just diffuses the situation. I think there's a reason that those two, kindness and gentleness, should be put together. In the New Testament, they're both fruits of the Spirit. And that's one of the reasons I I did want to group them together. You you know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of God living in us and working in us. Fruit comes as we who are branches remain connected to the vine. So if we're connected to the vine and the vineyard will prune us and he will do what needs to be done, that we might produce fruit. We, that's not our goal is to produce fruit. Our goal is to get so close to Jesus that the fruit is a byproduct. And if the fruit of the Spirit includes gentleness and kindness, wouldn't that include the words of our mouth? Are my words filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? It's amazing how many people just, I don't know, they just enjoy saying negative things about people that aren't in their circle. Whether it's in their church circle or whether it's their political circle. Man, the, the pe- people just post all these negative, you know, degrading things. Well, why? To get a j- laugh? It may make you feel good? It's certainly not the byproducts of what our life in Christ should be. If our words don't reflect God's fruit, there's something wrong with our heart. Because as Jesus said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So so don't think, well, I'm fine. I I don't ever cuss and I don't 
gossip much and I don't use abusive language? Well, it's not about what you don't do. Ask yourself, what do you do? What do you say? This whole series about putting love into action. Today I'm encouraging you, love does with our words. Our words need to reflect the Lord. And if they don't, we need God to change our hearts. We need God to hold us accountable for the words that we use. Because our words are only going to become gentle and kind as we get to know God in a deeper way. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching online this morning and you really don't know God. Well, that's the first thing. As the old saying goes, you can put lipstick on a pig and, you know, maybe it looks better. You can try to clean up your language and your act, but that doesn't change your heart. And the first step to changing your heart is to admit that you've sinned, to admit that you can't run your life successfully, and that you need the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your friend. And all you need to do is ask him, say, Lord, would you take control of my life? I want to serve you. But most of us probably have already done that, but we're still struggling with our words. Sometimes they're reckless, sometimes they're edifying. This morning, I just want us to ask God to forgive us of our failure to use our mouth the way God intended it to. And then to take that next step and allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts so that our words will be gentle and kind, edifying, loving. Let's pray. Lord, today I thank you that we can look into some very, very practical uh, ways of serving you. Lord, there are people who are called to China and people who are called to be pastors and priests and uh, there's people who are called to positions. But Lord, we're all called to represent you as Christ followers. And Lord, we all have an ability to use our tongue either for good or for evil. You said the power of life and death is in our tongue. And Lord, today we've learned that our tongue is controlled by our heart. So Lord, as we come to you and reflect, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will show us areas of our heart that needs to be changed. Lord, maybe selfishness that needs to die. Maybe agendas that we feel are important. Maybe, Lord, hurts that we just need to let go of. Because sometimes our own hurts can end up hurting other people. So, Lord, we just come to you with open hearts today and pray that you will show us how we can be used of you this week to bring healing to people without money, without really much effort, simply by using our words, by changing our speech to reflect the love of Christ. Amen.